0: And welcome back to Psychology Through the Eyes of Faith. My name is Astera, your podcast host, and I'm here with SJ, which is short or yeah, short for Sarah
1: Johnson, one of my good friends that I
0: live in roofs with. Go ahead and introduce
1: yourself. Hey, I'm SJ, but my name, as Astera said, is Sarah Johnson, but you can just call me SJ for <laughs> short. But I am A sophomore here at Toccoa Falls College, and I am studying and majoring in ministry leadership. Nice, nice. Mm -hmm. Um, Go ahead and tell them, like, a fun fact about you, or a boring fact, literally anything. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so I literally have the deepest obsession with avocados. Like, (laughs) I... Have <laughs> that is- okay. I literally love avocado so much, Sarah. Oh and you know gosh. this, I oh, yeah. I love avocado toast, just <laughs> eating up straight avocado. I honestly like I have avocado socks, PJs, Bro. stuffed animals, like it is just a whole it's thing. Ridiculous. I, it's ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, that is my fun fact. Alrighty.
0: <laughs> so Basically, what we're gonna, what we're talking about today is human trafficking, which is a subject that SJ has gotten into. Uh, I mean, how? I mean, yeah. How much? I, I guess.
1: Um. So basically, like all my life, I've been I I felt led into ministry, um, but I didn't really know like what capacity that looked like mm-hmm. until a couple years ago. I went to or I was a part of this gap year called Impact 360 Institute um, and a part of that gap year we take a lot of trips and one of them is an international trip and it's in Brazil and there was one night where we um, went on the streets of ba- it was called Crackland basically wow. and it was just yeah it was really hard just seeing like not just the homelessness there but um just the trafficking that was happening there and we actually got to have conversation um like firsthand yeah wow with this like she was very like openly like a prostitute and mm-hmm. she had like heroin on her side and um at that moment the lord was like the, these are the people that you're going to be ministering to wow. so yeah it was very hard but very cool to be able to experience that and, yeah just been ever since then just been following what the Lord is trying to lead me to in that so yeah. so
0: I guess yeah. that was going to be my first question that's what got you interested in this ministry
1: yes and definitely impact um the institute like really was a part of that um like calling that the Lord has placed on my heart awesome.
0: so yeah awesome. Okay, so (laughs) my next thing is talk to me a little bit, and the viewers, or the listeners, (laughs) not the viewers. (laughs) Talk to us a little bit about the paper you recently wrote about
1: human trafficking. Yeah, so this is funny that you mentioned that because we have, um, in the ministry leadership department, there's a class called Ministry Leadership and Society. Mm. And basically the whole class is kind of covering like, different social issues that are happening around in our world that we're interested um, in in terms of ministry. Like, there's people that maybe, like, have a focus with anxiety and depression or Mm -hmm. a focus on abortion. Mm -hmm. And—but mine, um, of course, is centered on human trafficking. And um, throughout the semester, we got to have, like, different stages, so, like, different papers about, like, what we would write um, Mm -hmm. over the topic. And— It was so cool because i was like man like all i gotta do is just be passionate about this but no like i have learned so much about um not only statistically about what's going on in that field but like also what i need um as a leader to have in order to minister to those people um uh one of the biggest things that we learned about is how to have a faithful presence um with those people because a lot of t- it's such a dark field and, like, especially a dark form of ministering to others. And mm-hmm. so, like, what does it look like to be faithfully present with other people in
0: yeah. and then through
1: that? And, um, yeah, and I learned – as I said earlier, I learned a lot about, like, some statistics and I actually have some here. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. <little> go ahead. <laughs> but, um, so – I okay so a little bit of context I am really interested in ministering to like of course like victims and survivors of human trafficking but like specifically people um that are not accustomed to American life so Mm -hmm. like maybe it could be like refugees or just people of different cultures and so I kind of looked at um these statistics um in an international view um but it says, modern enslavement of men, women, and children um, normally are seen in like vocational capacities. So it's so, like such in like agriculture mm. or agriculture, manufacturing, yeah. or domestic work, which I thought was very interesting because a lot of times like we think that it's like sex trafficking.
0: A yeah, lot of times.
1: it like happens in like, on the streets and stuff but yeah. like no like it's happening it happens everywhere
0: mm-hmm.
1: and also i have like um pakistan and india they actually have the highest rates of ex- sexual exploitation yeah. um and they also have the highest rates of financial depravity and like those two things like coincide with each other mm-hmm. and i thought that was really interesting because like a lot of third world world countries like are actually very vulnerable in this subject of, like, human trafficking. So, yeah. Very Those cool. are great statistics. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, that kind of goes into one of my points was, um, what is it? I, I went on this website called, I think it's SaveChildren.org, and I was, like, yeah. looking about stuff, and it says, I, was in, I wrote down that I was in, incredibly surprising, but also not very much so that um, the United States is one of the most active sex trafficking countries in the world Mm -hmm. where exploitation of trafficking victims occurs in cities, suburban, and rural areas. How do you think people would react to that if they knew? If they
1: knew that it happened in America? Like the most, like sex trafficking in the most in America. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I think that like when I um, was reading this question, it kind of brought me back to this idea of like what sin sin is and Mm -hmm. like like just the sin nature that um, we have not only in this world but specifically in the United States and not even concerning like human trafficking but I think that it's interesting that America like we as a society we're so good at hiding our sin we are so good at hiding like
0: not being vulnerable
1: yeah and just like holding things in and covering things up and mm-hmm. I think that just America as a nation is very good at that and we like to address the problem and talking about it like whether it be on social media or um, like political websites or whatever I think that we like to address the problem but we don't like to take action in the w- in a biblical way um, in seeking people's highest good, mm-hmm. and I think that, um, yeah, for sure. I think, um, Americans would be surprised at those statistics, but I don't think the church would, if that makes really? sense. Oh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the church, um, is growing and being actively aware of things like this, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm seeing that in, like, my classes, um, even just with the amount of people who want to lead in various ministry capacities. I think that we're trying to just humbly learn about specific areas and how we can love people well, um, mainly specifically, like, in the States, but, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Nice.
1: Um, And that
0: gets me thinking about how you were saying, like you know we think that it just happens on the streets but in actuality it happens in like everyday places yeah and I think one thing that I found it was okay yeah do you remember I think it was last year yeah do you remember Micah's promise coming yes did okay so I I think my first year here I think maybe it was last year I can't remember (laughs) no it was last year yeah this is my (laughs) second year here (laughs) it was like winter some winter thing i don't know she was there the founder (laughs) right that's the point um and she works with children who have been trafficked like that's the whole organization's like main goal is to help those people and she was telling me how like this kind of thing mostly happens in like families and closed communities Mm -hmm. and like when i started like learning that more and more as i'm like so mm-hmm. I tend to do my own research. I tend to like, yeah. you know, yeah. like these know. subjects <laughs> <laughs> and like Google stuff on my own. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's my thing. Yeah. Um. And the more I kind of like started learning that, the more I was just so surprised, but also like not. I think I was yeah. more surprised because there's this like narrative or this kind of. Yeah, this narrative that, like, society or media portrays that it can happen, you know, like, mm-hmm. your kid's walking down the street and it just gets snatched. Like, no, yeah. like, this happens, Everywhere. like, the, people's, like, children's own families yeah. will sell them off or will traffic yeah. them outside of their home or in their close communities. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, it'll happen, like, close friends and close teachers or whatever. And I was like, mm-hmm. that's insane. Yeah. Like, it, I wish a lot more people knew
1: that just for the sole fact of, Knowing how to protect your children better. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's so interesting. It's funny. Micah's Promise is actually from my hometown. Oh, Columbus, yeah. yeah, yeah Georgia, you tell me that. So, yeah, represent <laughs> Micah's Promise. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, they are an awesome organization and they're based on Micah 6 8 to, oh, um, yeah. oh gosh, I'm going to b- butcher the verse, but to act justly, love righteously. Oh my God. If you're going to look it up. Thank yes. you, Sarah. I appreciate it. <laughs> <that. laughs> <laughs> mm, what is it? Micah, Micah six eight.
0: Uh, My Bible app is acting <laughs> up. Oh, okay. He has told you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love
1: kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Yes. That's a good word. Period. That That's good. so good. I love that. But they're based on that, and um, they... It is like it's so cool because they not only um, what you were talking about, like, kind of educate people in talking about how that can literally happen within a household, yeah. But um, they help um, empower women, um, specifically in the area of Columbus, to just talk about their stories, and it's it's really cool. But um, what you were talking about about like what it looks like for um like parents to like protect their children like because it doesn't just happen like on the streets it happens Mm -hmm. in the home too and I was thinking about that and just like um processing like what that actually looks like for parents to protect their children Mm -hmm. um and I think a lot of times like people think the best way to protect their children is to, like, physically move them or, Mm -hmm. like, place them in their church youth group or Mm -hmm. to, like, to physically do something Mm -hmm. about um, their presence and, like, what where they're at. Yeah. But in actuality, like, in order to do that, in order to protect your children, I think the best way to do that is to actually like have a relationship with them um like and we see that in Deuteronomy 6 when um it, the Shema went and it's talking about like how to what the house or what the home is supposed to look like like the home is supposed to be a place where we not only like care for our children like with their physical needs but it's supposed to be a place where we fill them with nourishment and like we teach them and we have an actual relationship with them we disciple them Mm -hmm. and if that were the case if um most homes if if all homes were like that then I think then protection would like come soon Mm -hmm. after because um those children would be able to build that trust with their parents and yeah. um not only like with wisdom and like what they had to say but in mm-hmm. actually protecting them yeah. and um yeah yeah that's all I gotta say about that
0: yeah it what was I gonna say um that made me think I definitely agree and it makes me think about how like I am such a big advocate for that about yeah. like parents having a good, healthy, emotional, spiritual Mm -hmm. relationship with their kids because, like, I talked about in, like, previous episodes that that's what leads to a healthy, independent adult and a kid also in that time who knows, like, they have a safe base to go to. Mm. So it's, like, it kind of, like, when you were talking about that, it made me think of how, like, me and the founder were, like, even talked about how, like, this also happens with kids who have access to social media and access to the Mm -hmm. internet. And they take, they get themselves in a part of, you know, the internet where people are, like, tra- like predators are trying to get them and trying to lure them and trying yeah. to, you know, send them images and, like, yeah. things like that and find them. And when you don't have that kind of connection with your child, they're much less likely to go to you about that. They're much more likely yeah. to find, you know, validation there or to not have that discernment to, like, not entertain that. Yeah. So I think that's that's why it's so important because it's, like, when they do have that safe base, they see that happening, especially when you educate them about that. I think, like, I'm yeah. a big advocate for that, too, is, like, educate your kids about stuff like this, yeah. even if it's uncomfortable. Like, it's yes. so important. Yes. And I when agree. you do, they're going to be like, this is not right. This is, like, mm-hmm. this is dangerous. I need to tell my mom or dad. Yeah. And, like, one big thing that always irks me is, like, when parents, like, meet that kind of honesty with, like, mm-hmm anger or like you know they get riled up and they get like i can't believe you got into this and all that stuff and i'm like okay when you do that though like did you really feel like if somebody did that to you imagine you go to a cop and you're like somebody just you know threatened to shoot me with their gun like (laughs) literally like showed me their gun and said they're gonna shoot me and the cop is just like why would you even go into that place like why would you do this and like start a battering you're like Clearly, you're not going to want to go back to that. You're not going to oh want to go that back to that station. You're not yeah. going to think that you're safe there. You're not going to think that mm-hmm. you're going to get help there. So it's like when you meet your children with that kind of attitude, of course they're not going to think of you as their safe base anymore. You they have to meet them. You. Yeah, yeah, you know. Anyways, that was my little rant. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. We're all here for the rant. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, that's like a thing I wish a lot more parents realize, and just like people in general when like Mm -hmm. others go to them about stuff it's like you know the whole kind of like not believing the victim is just so sad and there's parts of it where it's like okay like you know if there's evidence against that like what am i gonna say you know you clearly like this didn't happen but if it's but i think above all like i'm always gonna be the type of person to give somebody the benefit of the doubt yeah and i it's just like, it's just what I've learned from God towards yeah. me, you know? So it's, like, I have to give that to others because yeah, I would hate good. to do the opposite.
1: Yeah. So. And, like, something you said, too, made me think about, like, like, yes, like, we're supposed to create, like, um, like, an atmosphere of trust, like, between the parent and the child. But there's also boundaries of, like, what it looks like to actually be a parent. Yeah. Um, And I think that's, like, what Deuteronomy, like, Six Mm -hmm. kind of alludes to is like, how can I like provide nourishment, Mm -hmm. but like, not just give them baby food? Like, they're gonna grow up, and like, what food am I gonna give them so Mm -hmm. I can nourish them well? And yeah, that's so cool, though. But I, yeah, it it plays uh, the home like, plays a lot into like a huge role, it plays a huge, it's like the foundation, man. It is, it's like, it plays like a huge role into like literally how life functions it's honestly. literally how
0: a child function and functions and grows up into a functioning adult yeah. it's like it's like like <laughs> so far in my field i've realized yeah. that it's like it's probably like 99 percent. it's a big yes. amount you know yes it's I like mean, where you it's where you yeah. first learn how to be independent how to rely on others how to be sensitive how to have boundaries it's how yeah. to communicate i mean yeah i
1: can go with i mean the in scripture there's just so many like passages where it talks about the home and like what it looks like um like in let me just tell you so like in my (laughs) um small groups class Mm -hmm. um I have enjoyed that class so much this past semester but like basically like we started that class with talking about like what is a small group and like what is the purpose of it oh that's so good I actually love that you started it like that yeah and like um just like kind of like setting the foundation of like the class but Anyway, so they talk, Are we started like discussing and like having like just popping ideas out of our noggins, you know. But um, (laughs) we kind of just were talking about the idea of discipleship and what it looks like in the home and how because homes don't necessarily look like they're supposed to mm-hmm. we seek that in other places mm, and yeah, that's so true yeah that is it the is truth. yes and and we were talking about that um a little bit about like w- that's why people tend to go to small groups or they go to um they they kind of pull from different friendships or relationships or whatever it may be, or like mentors mm-hmm. or whoever um and it's because we've lost this um, purpose of what our family's supposed to look like. Yeah. And it's caused a lot of destruction and lostness about, like, where we go to. Yeah. So, It definitely is because I've seen it,
0: I mean, not only in, like, society and other people's lives, but my own life. And how, like, you know, when you don't have a stable home and when you don't feel... Especially, especially emotionally or physically safe in your own home, yeah. you're going to seek that somewhere else, whether you realize yeah. it or not. Like, you're drawn to it. And you're, like, because at your core, mm-hmm. you want to be accepted and you want to be loved and you want yeah. to be safe. Like, like mm-hmm. ki- if you're talking even about, um, I think it's Ma- Maslow's, like, hierarchy of needs. Yeah. His most base one is, like, a home, food, and shelter, I think. So, it's, like, your most basic needs. If you can't even get those, like, those mm. are, like, if you can't even feel safety, like, mm. you're going to go somewhere else. And Yeah. Yeah, I think it definitely does play a big role, and I think that's why people need to take their home life, like, how they're shepherding their yeah. own flock so seriously. Yeah. And some people, good. like, one thing, I don't know, and I do know people are trying. One, one of my biggest things that I will say I've realized, kind of, like, t- since we're talking about this, mm-hmm. is people are trying and they're doing it but I don't I think some people because I've I've been convicted of this also I think we need we don't continuously ask yourself what like how can I do better Mm -hmm. what am I doing right now that needs to be fixed like how can I constantly push myself and look at the areas in my life where I'm not doing well and it's Mm -hmm. like I think with some people or maybe some families it's like there's constant complain of, like, oh, like, this is going wrong. I don't mm. like this. I don't like this. And it's, like, like, they still have a faith, but it's, like, they either focus on all the good or all the bad. But it's just, like, yeah. where are the flaws of yours that you're focusing on? How can on? you go from this? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's, like, if you're, not, if you're not constantly seeking out the areas in which you're not growing or you're doing the opposite of, like, backtracking at, then... I'm going to be honest, it, I think it's that's a big way in which your faith can grow. And it's like yeah. you can grow your faith by shepherding the things that you have like gifts in, mm-hmm. but I think like the places where mm-hmm. you sh- like you're not doing well or other people yeah. are like this is like a problem that you have and you're not doing well. It's like you yeah. have you have to be humble enough and you should yeah. be humble enough to listen to those people and not get defensive and not you know make excuses and look at truly look inside yourself and be like am i doing this right am i loving others correctly am i shepherding correctly and all and discipling and all that stuff
1: yeah okay that's so interesting that you mentioned that because one of the i forgot to mention like one of the things that we talked about yeah um we should also circle back to our main topic after this yes well, I, this is going to circle back, okay, um, but about, like, um, my paper and how I was talking about, like, human trafficking, but what are the core values of what I, as a leader, like, want to carry out mm-hmm. and um, what I want, like, the victims and the survivors to also carry out as well um, as, like, we... Work together and stuff like that, and those h- values are hope and holiness, and what you were talking about and like growth and wanting to grow from um, what you've come from or mm-hmm. like what you've been through, kind of just like talking about that there the hope that we carry is an eternal hope and it cannot it can't be shaken and. Yeah, it's on a firm foundation, girl. And it can't be shaken. <laughs> and so, like, because we have that hope, we can rest in it and rest assured. We can grow um, from our life circumstances mm-hmm. in holiness, and um, because of the hope that we have in the Lord. So, I just mm-hmm. wanted to mention that a little thing.
0: That's good. And it, yeah. it, what, like, what the thought that came in my head when you said that is like, that's what. Makes our faith, I think, so much more different than any other religion yeah. or thing in the world. It's mm-hmm. like we have a hope and we have a faith that is so everlasting and so unshaken. Yeah. Versus like other people, it's like they find. I've noticed it's like they find hope in things that are so temporary or like yeah things that, frankly, sometimes don't even make sense. But it's like mm-hmm. when you have a hope that's past death, past yeah. I don't – know. I, I can't even say past eternity. There's no past eternity, but it's, like, in eternity in yeah. a relationship with somebody that's, bro, like, all about you. I just <laughs> – it's, it's so good. That's a word um, right there. <laughs> so, um, let's
1: see.
0: I guess one thing that I wanted to mention is one time I saw a video of a woman talking about people – rarely staying in this line of work because of how like emotionally demanding it is. What are your
1: thoughts on that? Yeah. Okay, that is such a good question. So I it reminded me, okay, so I went to um I had like a meeting with one of my professors sometime last year and we had to do um like this personality test and I basically was like over ninety percent like empathetic. And he was like, Well what do you want to do with like ministry like what does that look like for you and I was like explaining to him that I want to work with victims of human trafficking mm-hmm. he was like wow you you rate high like on the scoreboard for empathy like mm-hmm. what is, what do you think what does that look like for you and I was explaining and everything and basically he was um saying that it's not bad to have empathy
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's actually a really good thing oh my gosh yes but it's how we contain it
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and how we manage it with any type of ministry or any type of work, honestly. But specifically in this area of ministry, how do I contain it well in mm-hmm. a way that best serves other people? Because yeah. I can have so much empathy and I'm eventually like going to take on the burdens of people to a point where yeah. I'm run thin and where I'm burnt out. So it's been really interesting, like, having conversations um, with people in the department that I'm in, uh, with professors and all, just, like, talking about what does it look like for me to care for myself Mm -hmm. um, and to manage, like, my empathy. Um, Not that it's a bad thing, but, like, how do I manage the gift that the Lord has given me in that capacity? But, um, yeah, I don't think it's bad to have... Empathy and to care a lot, but I do think that um, it is even more so important for us to manage it well um, oh, yeah. in like this demanding field. So. Oh, yeah, because yeah. there's, there's, we all have limits as humans, yeah. you know, we're we're
0: finite creatures, and, and I, ch- I'm, that's a big, that's another thing I'm a big advocate is about. Yes. Yeah empathy and i believe every yeah. single everyone should have it. if you don't have empathy you don't have relationships <laughs> yeah. like truly you don't because you don't know how to you don't know how yeah. to sit with somebody in their problems and like care for them like jesus does for yeah. you you know That's what i mean good. and when you say that if you're basically talking about boundaries you have boundaries with the people around you saying like i'm i can empathize with you there are times when i can't because mm-hmm. i like physically or emotionally cannot like i need to replenish myself and then you have boundaries with yourself where you're like, okay, like, I have to say no. Yeah. Although I hate saying no, mm-hmm. you have to. Yeah. Like, it's even like, okay. Crack a laughing. There's actually, okay, like, this one verse I found, I was reading, I read, like, Psalms every day, or maybe it was Proverbs, but it was, I just read it, I think today, maybe, or yesterday. Um, hold on, I'm almost there. It's the Bible app, man. I'll <laughs> we'll get you. Up. Come on. I know I just did it. Um, it's about, like, saying yes or no. Like, only saying yes or no. Can't remember What in the world? Anyways. <laughs> It's, like, either – it's either in – I think it was Jesus that was, like, talking about it in Matthew. Mm. And um, he was talking about something, but at the end of it, he was just, like – maybe it was, like, empty promises. I don't know. But he says at the end, like, let your answers be a simple yes or no because anything Mm. else you say comes from evil. And that doesn't – that doesn't, you know, apply to every single thing you say. Yeah. It's, like, sometimes you have to say maybe not or whatever. But I think you can apply that to boundaries yeah. and saying, like, sometimes you have to say a strict yes or strict no. Yeah. And, like, one really good thing I like learning about boundaries is sometimes, like, a, f- a good rule to follow is if it's not a definite yes, it's a definite no. Like, there's mm-hmm. no there should not be such thing as maybe or probably. It should be, like, if you cannot you fully commit, commit yeah. don't give somebody this hope that you might. You know, yeah. it just it needs to be yes or no because... That's what boundaries is about. And, like, to get back to that whole thing, that's why I think boundaries are so important because the, the clearer and the better you can have boundaries, mm-hmm. the better you can empathize with people. Yeah. And that's why also I'm, a, like, that's I think good. it's so important to keep your eyes on the Lord and to, like, self-care, not in a society kind of way, but mm-hmm. in a biblical kind of way where you're just, like, I think when you do keep your eyes on the Lord continuously, and you take care of yourself you are so much like it becomes so much easier to empathize and you can take more it's kind of like um i think i don't know if you weren't in that chapel but i think it might have been like somebody talking about their son and he was Mm -hmm. like i can tell that as my son has gotten closer to the lord somehow at the same time his heart has gotten softer for like things but he his his like skin has gotten tougher Like, he Mm. can take more things, he can listen to more things that are, like, emotionally draining, and, like, he can Mm. get through more things because he has that foundation of God. But he has such a soft heart to, like, empathize and be there for people. And I'm like, it's only God that can make those two contradicting things happen. Yes,
1: that's so good. And, oh, gosh, that reminds me. I think it was, I feel like I'm going to butcher this saying, too, but (laughs) it's, like, uh, I think it says that, our closeness with God is represented in, like, how we are with people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know that's, like, very basic and just, like, our daily walk with the Mm -hmm. Lord and, like, what that looks like, but I think it's just so true. Like, the more you grow in your intimacy with God, not in just the knowledge of the Lord, but in your actual intimacy with God. Yeah, like, being vulnerable and all that. Yes, then that, like, what you were talking about with empathy, that our Natural gifts that the Lord has given us will grow mm-hmm. in that way, and I just think oh, that's so good. Yeah. I love that.
0: Yeah.
1: Period. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, hold on.
0: Um.